Thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. It is so lovely to be with you on this quiet first evening of spring. And we have reached the point where astronomically, astrologically, all kinds of spring has sprung. The days are about the same length as the evenings. So we're on the early side this year. It's March 20th. And we happen to have a full moon. So we have a very well-lit sky tonight, although I'm here in Los Angeles, as you probably know if you're a regular listener. And here in Los Angeles, we've had a little bit of drizzle, a little bit of rain, some giant loud thunderstorms, and a couple of quick downpours. Now it's quiet, but the sky is a little cloudy. So at the moment, I cannot see this big, bright supermoon we're having, the last one in 2019. But we can feel it all right. So, astrologically speaking, the sun is in Aries, the moon is in Libra. So, let's take a look at what the symbols mean for this. And I'm also going to mention that we've got some things to talk about astronomically, or at least um, astro kind of moving out there into the world of space travel. In fact, I was just checking out kind of what's going on. I was thinking about the fact that here we are. The first day of spring, we think of it as Aries. Aries is the Greek name. Mars is the Roman name for the same mythological god. He was the god of war. And it's intriguing to think about that symbolism of war because war we think of as destructive. We think of it as powerful in human history. It has changed countries' destinies. It has changed the way people feel about each other. It has, in a sense, taken long-simmering arguments and turned them into conflict and death and destruction. So war is a very powerful, fraught, and dangerous concept for us, though it is often celebrated in the history of art, which is oftentimes a record of human mm, behavior, human activity, human events. And in the European tradition of art, from about, oh, I'm going to say at least 13 or 1400 and beyond through the late Renaissance, maybe even as we got into the 1700s, it was considered to be most important for artists to paint what was called history paintings. And a history painting could be everything from an actual historical event to a commemoration of a religious event, or it could be an allegory or a metaphor for a lesson that came from what we now think of as the ancient world and the ancient gods and goddesses who predated Christianity in the European tradition. So history painting could cover a lot of topics. The whole point of it was 
to impart some sort of lesson or warning or something that would potentially motivate the person who is viewing it to expand their thinking, learn an important lesson, or contemplate something that could change their view of what's possible in life. So thinking about war, it's oftentimes commemorated in paintings, either because those paintings were commissioned by people who had money and the means and the powerful positions in society to make sure that their version of what occurred, history, was told and commemorated. So you oftentimes see not only battles commemorated in art, but you see gods and goddesses commemorated as well. And if you think about Aries on that first day of spring or Mars, this is a god who was the son of Zeus and one of Zeus's many lovers. Uh, he coupled with many maidens, with goddesses, with nymphs, with all kinds of people. But in this case, in the form of Zeus, it was his wife Hera and he who had Aries. Now, there was somebody else who was on the scene as well, and that is the half-sister of Aries, who is Athena. And Athena was somebody who was born of Zeus and a sea nymph. And for some reason, Zeus had some strange habits. And what he did was he somehow swallowed this uh, sea nymph because he was afraid of the uh, possibility that she might give birth to a very powerful son who might challenge his authority. So he swallows her whole, and lo and behold, Athena gets born anyway by bursting forth from Zeus's head, fully dressed in armor. So you're thinking, wait a minute, so there's, there's uh, Ares or Mars, who is the, the boy god of war, and then there's this Athena. You think, well, wait a minute, is she uh, somebody who is a goddess of war? What is she about? Well, she was assigned the attribute of a more strategic view, even though she was dressed in armor, this idea that she had a strategic view of what needed to be done in order to protect power or expand power or amass power, whereas Aries or Mars was considered more of a, you could say, tactician, more of a get-it-done kind of guy. So it's intriguing that even back in some of these earlier tales and stories, there was a, a distinction between masculine energy and feminine energy, even in terms of war, tactics versus strategy. So I've always found that fascinating to consider. We think about nowadays how we consider spring. We celebrate the idea of new life being birthed. So we have this notion of the first day of spring being all about new birth. The idea of the first day of spring is when you look for things like jonquils and new daffodils and bursting forward from the dormant soil of the wintertime and bringing forth new blooms, lovely aromas. We here in Southern California start to look for that first spring bloom of the jasmine, which is so ooh, luscious and aromatic at night, especially. But thinking about that, we look for the first robins, we look for the young birds, and we have this notion of life beginning in spring. And for some people, that is really the beginning of the new year. Of course, we think about January 1st as the 
beginning of the year on the calendar that most people and most cultures on earth use nowadays. But in nature, oftentimes it's considered the first day of spring that begins the new year. And so the new season bursts forward with the idea of growth and development. Then you go to summer, then you go to harvest, and then you go to winter again. So we are at the beginning of another cycle of life. So I find it fascinating to consider how both astrology and even astronomy starts to always reflect this natural tendency human beings have to look for new cycles of opportunity, new cycles of growth. And of course, there's that good old planet of Mars. Let's jump over into the world of space travel and think about this fascination we have with Mars. Here we live on Earth. It's got an atmosphere we can breathe. It's got beautiful oceans, all kinds of plant life, human beings, animals, stones, uh, every kind of form of life you could imagine, and the cycles of spring that renew that in our minds. But we're fascinated with the other planets in our solar system. Planets, of course, means wanderers. And so we look at those that are close to us, and for whatever reason, we seem to have fastened ourselves on exploring Mars. So we send probes over to try and identify because it is a very thin atmosphere. So this idea that, well, now that we've managed to figure out how to land on the moon, where do we go next? Let's go to Mars because Venus seems a little too volatile, a little too close to the sun for our liking. So we look at Mars and we say, okay, let's send some, some explorers up. We have many different craft orbiting it. In fact, we sent up uh, a craft called MAVEN, M-A-V-E-N. Of course, MAVEN means expert. And we sent the MAVEN up to orbit, I believe that this year in 2019, in June, which will be just before the first day of summer, we will find that this MAVEN sent up by NASA will reach a thousand days in orbit around what we call the red planet or Mars. Now, something intriguing about that particular craft is it contains a very special mm, device, even beyond its many detailed and intricately and expensively crafted measuring instruments and uh, photographic equipment to identify what is it orbiting, what is it looking at, what is it able to retrieve in terms of data. There was a contest, I think black in about 2013, where people were invited to submit haiku poems. Some of them would be sent up on a, whether it was a CD or a DVD, I'm not quite sure, to orbit around Mars with all of these scientific equipment, which is a fascinating idea. This idea, once again, another form of art, poetry. And haikus are very, very specific. They are 17 syllables. I believe there were over 15,000 people who submitted entries to hopefully get to be the winning poem, then the winning haiku that would be acknowledged as the most important one to go up and circle around. And the top ones included this by a person named Vanna Bonta from the United States. And here's how it goes. 36 million miles of whispering welcome. Mars, you called us home. What a fascinating poem. 17 syllables, very 
very spare, very elliptical, very poetic, and yet the sentiment is all about welcoming, whispering, ah, music to my ears here on the Wow Whispering podcast. And it talks about Mars calling us home. Once again, that human fascination with Mars. Now, here's another one written by Benedict Smith of the United Kingdom. This one, this haiku says, it's funny. They named Mars after the god of war. Have a look at Earth. Oh, my. So a little bit of social commentary, a little bit of poking a little bit of a mirror and fun at human beings' tendency to project outwards. It's fascinating. There are so many interesting aspects of this idea of sending haiku poems up to circle around Mars, and they weren't sure how long this particular uh, probe would be able to stay in orbit, but looks like it's going to reach at least a thousand days. So I find it fascinating to once again see the ways in which poetry and prose, if you will, symbolism and science between mythology and modernity continue to roll around in the human mind and roll forth in the undertakings we project forward as we attempt to explore space, as we attempt to understand the earth. And here we are on the first day of spring thinking about such things as what is coming forward for us as the weather improves, we hope, and the weather moves us into the thoughts of planting and seeding the next phase of growth in life and possibility. In fact, two of our favorite probes on Mars who went exploring these little Mars rovers, they're called, is curiosity and opportunity. Now, one of them is gone, one of them is still with us, but they lasted far longer than anybody ever thought they would. I think they expected uh, at NASA that they'd probably last about 90 days, but years later, we have this rich, rich collection of photographs. We watch them traveling around, climbing little hills, going up and down, getting stuck, starting up again. All those elements that remind us that even when we are practicing what some people think is a very left brain activity of science, there's always surprises, there's always discoveries, and there is an opportunity, there is a curiosity for the human imagination for humans to be inspired, for humans to gain intuition, sudden thoughts that, oh my gosh, what if we try this? What if we do that? What might we learn? What might we discover? And amazingly enough, it's that endless spirit of growth and refreshing that takes us into new spaces, that brings us not only to our neighboring planet Mars, but well beyond that as we explore further and further and further in the solar system. So I just want to acknowledge that tonight we have a bright moon above, a full moon, which is shining the light from the sun and the earth back on earth so we can enjoy it. We're always intrigued by that. We look up into the sky and say, oh my gosh, look at how beautiful that familiar moon is. But we also have an opportunity to rest easy tonight, dream deeply, and consider what new dreams might you plant the seeds for this spring? What new opportunities might you come upon or create not only for yourself, but for the people in your life 
who care about you, love you, are going to get to know you, the new people you're going to meet, and the new contribution you have the opportunity to make to human knowledge, to human history, and to human discovery. So thanks for being with me on this spring evening, and we look forward to being with you here again on Wow Whispering, the skies above, very soon. Take care. Thank you for being with us on Wow Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. Today, we are pleased to feature NCGR, which is the National Council for Geocosmic Research. It is a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising the standards of astrological education and research. Along with its U.S. membership, it includes a growing number of national members and sponsors in 30-plus local chapters in 20 U.S. states and four countries. Its special interest groups foster dialogue on various astrological specialties, and its online education and educational conference bring astrologers from around the world together to grow and learn together. Their sister organization is NCGR-PAA and allows students to leverage their astrological education into professional certification. They welcome new members, and you can find out more about them at their website, which is geocosmic.org. That's G-E-O-C-O-S-M-I-C dot org. Our second organization is NASA, which is the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. We all know NASA as the place to be if you want to know how to get off the planet and find out extraordinary things about, well, the solar system we live in, for starters. So, they're all about the future. So, on their website, they ask the question, what's next for NASA? Well, their vision is that we reach for new heights and reveal the unknown for the benefit of humankind. Thousands of people have been working around the world and off of it for decades, trying to answer some really basic questions. What's out there? How do we get there? What will we find? What can we learn there? Or learn just by trying to get there. That will make life better here on Earth. So what's up immediately in the solar system beyond? Well, NASA is going to add to its existing robotic fleet at the Red Planet, with the InSight Mars lander set to study the planet's interior. The Mars 2020 rover will look for signs of past microbial life, gather samples for future return to Earth, and investigate resources that could someday support astronauts right there on Mars. And they're also going to be sending humans out into the solar system, Moon to Mars, the Space Launch System rocket, is going to be building on the growing scientific knowledge of our solar system. NASA is developing the most advanced rocket and spacecraft to lead the next steps of human exploration farther into space than we have ever traveled before. And then there's the International Space Station. The International Space Station, ooh, doesn't that sound romantic and interesting and kind of overwhelming and definitely a wow all on its own. Humans have already been living and working off the Earth in the one-of-a-kind research laboratory in microgravity. 
the International Space Station serves as a blueprint for global cooperation and scientific advancement, a destination for growing a commercial marketplace in low Earth orbit and a testbed for demonstrating new technologies. Research on the station is the springboard to NASA's next great leap in exploration, sending humans into deep space. And they've got even more missions planned about flight, space technology, and of course, Earth. So you can learn more about them at nasa.nasa.gov. So what's next is on their page called nasa.gov forward slash about forward slash what's underscore next dot html but you can go there and find it and take a look at our show notes and you'll see more so lots more to learn lots more to discover what a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering as we complete this episode i invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences I wish you the very best until we meet next time.